0: What's everybody? Welcome to the Big 6 Podcast, the U.S. Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is, Wednesday. it is Wednesday, May 11th. If you're listening on the audio feed, if you're watching on YouTube, it's Tuesday, May 10th. We are live every single day from now until the end of eternity. That's until the end of time. Now for all eternity, if I were doing the phrasing correctly, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m.-ish on the youtube channels maybe a little bit shorter in these slower times of the year and today we are going to talk about scheduling strength of schedule with our pal john breach breach what's up
1: buddy is the person on the podcast with the most muscular strength i understand why you brought me on for strength of schedule (laughs) i don't do that was a lame joke sorry i don't do muscles it's fine you know, Brenton, I just thought if I started with a lame joke, that would kind of prop you up so that you couldn't possibly tell one worse than what I, I just told.
0: Yes, maybe we start at one o three sometimes. <laughs> sometimes one o eight. Usually before one ten, though. Almost always before one ten. Um, there's usually a fairly terrible excuse or reason for why, but that's either here or there. Anywho, um, we got another schedule announcement on Tuesday, as we found out. That on CBS Sports with, I presume, Jim Nance and Tony Romo and Tracy Wolfson on Christmas Day. Also, though, on Nickelodeon, the Broncos and Rams will play at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. What a lovely little Christmas present for all of us NFL fans breach.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is going to they were talking about, you know, the, the Mike North, the guy who does scheduling for the NFL was talking about how big the Christmas numbers have been as far as viewership goes, this one is going to blow everything out of the water because 4.30 is prime time on holidays. On Thanksgiving, that's usually the Uh, highest.
0: It's just a normal, I just realized this, Christmas Day is a Sunday.
1: Christmas Day is a Sunday, but Christmas has been on Sunday before and they've never done a triple header. So this, and so. So we we will, not so, okay. What do you think
0: the schedule that weekend will look like?
1: Schedule look like one game Thursday, 11 games Saturday, three games Sunday, one game Monday. 99% sure.
0: Okay. So they're going to just stack Christmas. Yeah, you're right. They will do that. They've done that before. They'll stack well, Christmas Eve.
1: The last time Christmas was on a Sunday, there was a Christmas doubleheader. And then that's one Thursday, everything Saturday, one Monday.
0: Okay. Um, so Christmas Eve ruined.
1: Yes. And you know why
0: there, but there won't be a quote unquote Sunday
1: night football on Christmas Eve. Yes, there will. Oh no. Yeah, there will be. So that's the difference is that there will be a primetime game on Christmas Eve. Really? And you know, what's funny is that the last time that happened to bring up the Bengals was uh, 2016. I remember this vividly. The Bengals played on Christmas Eve. They lost 12 to 10 to the Houston Texans. And I believe I don't want to throw him. I feel like they missed a field goal on the last play of the game, but maybe that was a different game against. Oh,
0: we missed.
1: Um, what year was that? That was 2016. Okay, I think
0: I remember in like 2011, maybe there was a ton of um games on Christmas Eve, but it could—I guess it could have been on a Sunday on Christmas Eve, and Christmas was a Monday. So they'll just load up the Saturday slate. In other words, there'll be a bunch of. Uh heathens who don't a- attend Christmas Eve church at home watching football. Right. So I won't be able to be with my family on Christmas Eve.
1: No, you won't oh, me. You have you literally football starting at 1 p.m. Eastern, going all the way through an 8:15 game on Christmas Eve. Then you wake up and you have a 1 p.m. game on Christmas Day on Fox. Then we have this glorious 4:30 game on CBS, Russell Wilson against his old pals spaced the Rams so many times having been in the NFC West. So this, I mean, this is just an awesome game to have uh, in that 430 slot. Hopefully, uh, you know, the Broncos are actually good. Cause sometimes a new quarterback, yeah, I think they'll be good. I, I mean, I think they'll be good too, but they're in a tough division. And I think that would be the only thing you worry about, but this feels like a game that is going to have playoff implications. Definitely for oh, one yeah. team and probably for both teams.
0: I think there's a decent chance All right, let's say that. um, So the Rams are 12 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, which I actually don't mind. And the Broncos are 16 to 1. If you are doing an exact matchup for the Super Bowl, what do you think it would be? 35 to 1, 40 to 1. Over those two? At most? I mean, this is Uh, a pretty good.
1: I would say like over 50 to 1.
0: No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about. Nah, not that high. They they don't they don't do the exact math when they create those things sometimes.
1: Well, right, right. I, but you're talking about it wouldn't be. Well, yeah, it would be. It's going to be high. My my point is that. Um,
0: I say I think the probability is like. Uh, you know what? You know, what, I'm not going to try to do this math right now. Uh, but I, I do think that. Um, I, I guess what I was trying to get at is there there's a non-zero chance that this is a Super Bowl preview.
1: It wouldn't be that crazy if the Broncos and the Rams met in the Super Bowl. No, not at all. And that's, that would be even crazier to have.
0: Uh, Eric Ross in the chat says that the, the, the probability adds up to 63 to one. I, and that's sort of my point is that, but but I think that they, but, but the books are not going to offer that at 63 to one.
1: And I, I said, 50 to one. To one. what? You said 35 to one. I said 50 to one.
0: I mean, before the playoffs last year, the Bengals and the, the, uh, 49ers were like 85 to one so maybe, maybe i don't know anyway and that was when there was only 14 teams left yeah. maybe maybe so maybe so uh at any rate I, i'm just saying that like
1: i, I think, think we have math whizzes in the chat good mm-hmm. lord i don't think you and i would have taken three years to figure that out Yeah,
0: no, exactly and My point being is that this is a big time marquee game in a big time slot for cbs and it should do assuming that matthew Stafford and russell wilson are both healthy and these teams are both above 500 which would be surprising if they weren't this game should do massive massive ratings as you pointed out
1: yes and that is so the last time that the nfl there was a christmas doubleheader last year the cardinals played the colts um that ended up being the highest rated game ever on nfl network Wow! so those are the that's what kind of ratings you're getting on christmas um and also fun fact The Cincinnati Bengals, my dad, played in the first ever regular season Christmas game, Monday night, 1989. That is a fun fact.
0: Uh, A couple of news items that we're going to get to before we get to strength of schedule. Tom Brady. My goodness. Is set to join Fox as their lead NFL analyst upon his retirement. (laughs) Which, this was announced uh, shortly after we dropped the bomb about the Christmas, Christmas Day game.
1: Tom Brady um, can't let us have our moment in the sun. Everything's yeah. got to be about Tom.
0: I know. Um, according to Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, Tom Brady is set to side of time. Tom Brady quote tweeted and said excited. Quote tweeted Fox and said excited, but a lot of unfinished business on the field with the at Buccaneers hashtag LFG. So he's like kind of downplayed it. But then the report comes out that he is getting a 10 year, 370. million contract. We don't need Ryan Wilson here to tell us the math on that one. It's $37.5 million per year, which is more than he makes now. Maybe not now, but more than he made for most of his career as a Patriots
1: quarterback. Uh, Yeah, I actually have that number right in front of me. So he is scheduled to make, uh, if he plays out the season with the Buccaneers, which he's obviously going to, and then retires, he will have made $332 million in his career. 23 year career and so his 10 years with fox boom he will have made 375 so he make more in 10 years with fox than he'll have made in 23 years as being uh the best player of all time in the nfl so i guess that tells you where the money is huh yeah Do Do you feel like this negotiation went uh fox said hey tom we would love to hire you and brady laughed and was like I'm not going into announcing. Yeah, and then Fox was offered him a number, and he's like, "Oh, well, maybe you could convince me." And then Fox was like, "Here's a blank check. You write whatever number you feel comfortable with, and uh, we'll, we'll pay it." Because that's how it feels like you get to a number like that.
0: Um, the immediate reaction in my group chat when when uh, like the, just a the local group chat was um, yeah, some a couple of people were like, "I think I don't think Tom Brady would be very good in that job." I counted that I. I'm not like as confident about him as Peyton Manning, just because of the sort of natural aloofness that Peyton carries with him. Um, but I didn't think Eli would be great, and he's fantastic. Now they're doing it on a different stage. Uh, you know, Drew Brees has been pr- pretty good. I think. Like I've enjoyed Drew Brees as a commentator. Uh, he feels still a little like very. I guess think how you would think Brees would be, which is kind of you know very. Um, he's not going to cut. He's not going to cut loose much, and I just wonder where Brady will fall on that spectrum of trying to, you know, inform versus having a, you know, like injecting personality into it. And I mean, I tend to think Brady will be closer to Manning than Breeze from a putting some personality in the broadcast perspective. Although it is worth noting that Drew Breeze does a lot of studio stuff and has personality there. And um, also that um, Peyton Manning is doing it on a on a Manning cast, which is a completely different environment and allows you to sort of cut free a little bit more than than you would in the actual like booth.
1: Well, I think one issue with Breeze is that Tony Romo set the bar so high because now you have – this is why these networks are going after, hey, if we can get a big-name quarterback and get them in our booth, that makes and, – and they sound good and they know what they're talking about and they relate to the audience. That makes us look smart, makes people want to watch the broadcast. And Romo's been crushing it, and that kind of changed the, the dynamics of what people are looking for. That's why we've seen Drew Breeze get hired, and that's why – uh, ESPN paid so much money to go get Troy Aikman in the booth and, uh, obviously Tom Brady now, but like you just said, it is kind of hit or miss. Cause you don't know how someone's going to be once they get in the booth. I don't know that Fox's addition, Brady, I'm, I'm assuming they're just hiring because of his name. You know, I, I doubt that Brady sat down and has been calling games, these rehearsal games that they do, uh, before they get hired. So it is a, a complete unknown. Maybe he gets in there and he just is like, "eh, this isn't very good." I mean, one of the most classic cases of people who have flopped in the booth after a fantastic NFL career is Joe Montana. Joe Montana, obviously Hall of Famer, four-time Super Bowl winner, and I think he lasted exactly one year in the booth because it just wasn't a good fit. He didn't like it. He didn't. Uh... He's not a very good public speaker. Right? Exactly. So you know, I, I heard it, him. At a, I heard him do a, a like a. Motivational
0: talk at a dinner for an unnamed Super Bowl week dinner, year TBD uh, or year redacted, I guess. And we're all like, "Uh, this is terrible. What is he doing? And it's just, I I think it's one of those things where maybe Montana like sort of thought that he could just do it and let his part, you know, let him just be Joe Montana. It would work fine. That's why I don't think, like, I think Brady would is like, like Tom Brady is just not going to do anything he's not going to be good at. Like he wouldn't take this. Well, maybe he would for 375 million, but like you would
1: think he wouldn't take this leap if he didn't feel confident about it. Right. I, I mean, you think that, but we have no, uh, there's no precedent as far as we don't know what Brady is going to be like in this situation. Cause we've only seen Brady when Brady's funny. It's usually in a scripted moment, it, whether it's a movie or a commercial or he he
0: was good on the golf stuff. Like when he was like out with, no,
1: well, right, right. And that's, that's the thing is that, you know, when one of our commenters mentioned, this is that, you know, you've got to be willing to criticize players. You have to be willing to open up. And so it's one thing when you're golfing with buddies and, you know, you're trying to rib each other and making funny, making making fun of each other. uh, But who's to say, you know, he's going to be able to do that on a broadcast. So he could end up being awesome. There's no doubt about that. I do not think he will be a Joe Montana sized flop. I think he'd fall somewhere between, uh, good and great. I, I don't think we'll see it turn out to be a bad experiment.
0: One interesting thing about this that's at least worth mentioning is that if let's Tom Brady has one year left on his Buccaneers deal, let's say that he finishes uh with the box, he's like, you know what, I'm actually going to he's like, you yeah. know, and like in the 49 or the Dolphins call him, they're like, hey, we want you to be quarterback and uh you know we'll give you like a x part of the ownership or whatever and he's like actually i got this 337.5 million dollar contract waiting for me per year so you're gonna actually need to up the ante a little bit or like you know i mean i, I was you know, just there is that is it is a nice little contract in waiting if you wanted to continue your career and leverage some more money out of, out of you know get more leverage in terms of control of the roster or financial incentives. Just hypothetically, I don't think Tom Brady is naive enough not to account for that in the back of his head or in the front of his head.
1: Or the flip side is Brady signs with the Dolphins, says, you know what? Just give me 8 million. I got 375 coming As soon as I retire, use that other 22, 25 million you're going to spend Ooh. on me and, and go out and sign some superstars. And so this is almost like circumventing the salary cap. Cause you know exactly how much money. It's like a, it's like a nest egg where you don't have to worry about, Exactly. Because, you know, when you retire, if you're Tom Brady, sure, you can go out and get millions of dollars a year in endorsements, but you're still missing twenty five million dollars in paycheck money that you weren't that once you retire, that money's not coming in anymore. So you have to find a way to replace that. And, you know, even uh, rich people still have to find that. And uh, now he doesn't have to find it because he's set for the first 10 years after he retires. Um, Yeah. So I think that could go either way where Brady could use it to get a bigger contract or just take a smaller contract because he wants to win one more Super Bowl so badly.
0: If I hadn't, until I saw the, how much money he was getting from Fox, my assumption was that he spent a month at home with his family. I was like, all right, <laughs> like, uh, I'm back, Tampa, and uh, Fox, I'm going to need some kind of like a 10-year contract I, you know for 50 bucks. I don't care. It's just like just I need you to lock me in for the next 10 years because like, I can't handle this stuff at home.
1: Or, or Giselle called the Buccaneers. She was like, please, just get him out. I thought I wanted him home no get him out of here yeah, that's right hey, she
0: calls fox she's like i will pay you 390 million dollars <laughs> to, to, to hire my husband for 10 years that is i just can't have him at the house um yeah uh, it, it's an interesting uh discussion are right, is there any other news that we need to hit on oh uh reported not to don't don't call every but sam farmer of the la times reported that it was bills rams could be in fact the uh the opening uh game and is likely to be the opening game they were deciding between. The NFL was deciding between
1: also surely they've decided at this point. I thought the Cowboys are still there. I think, well, I think a lot yeah, of people, I'm saying like surely the NFL has, Oh made, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the it's schedule's done. done. I, and I bet NBC announces it Thursday morning. Cause they get, everybody's been announcing these games. Obviously ESPN Positive. had yesterday. We announced the Christmas game today. Fox has Wednesday and then NBC will be announcing a game on Thursday morning. Right. And so yeah, yeah. the, the the NFL knows who the Rams are playing. It just right. has not leaked out yet. I'm, and yeah,
0: so, so I like I know what you're saying. It could still be the Cowboys. I'm gonna go out. and I'm gonna go to a short limb here and say that Sam Farmer, who is almost never wrong when it comes to stuff coming out of the NFL, from this perspective, is probably in the know on this one. So I, I know I agree with you. And my whole point yesterday was that. With the double header in week two instead of week one, maybe that changes the calculus. Yes, the Titans would be getting screwed here. That's certainly a, a component we need to talk about as it, as it relates to this this whole thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be Bill's Rams to open the season and the Bill's Titans week two. I mean, that's a spicy little start for Buffalo.
1: Yeah, and I w- this what I was saying, and I'll definitely take the dunking on me, was that, look, there had been uh, a, almost a decade-long precedent of no... Yeah, thursday night team playing on monday night in week two and that also the nfl screwing over the titans that early on the schedule literally in week two just makes no sense why you would give the thursday opening team a monday game so they have 11 days rest um when i'm sure the titans will play a game on sunday so they'll have three days less less rest uh going into week two you know like there's a lot of it's a, huge, it's a huge advantage, for sure. And especially because it's a big game, that's a game you want to win. That's That was the reason the Titans got the number one seed last year is because they beat the Bills on a Monday night in one of the craziest games when uh, the Bills couldn't convert that fourth down inside the five-yard line. So th- it's a huge game. And for the NFL, just to say, to, to dump on the Titans, uh, if that's what ends up happening, just blows my mind uh, that they would do that.
0: And we saw the um, Titans get screwed during the COVID season with that Bills game as well. I mean,
1: yeah, it's almost like there's some Bills fans in the scheduling department who also hate the Titans, and they're like, "All right, if the Bills and Titans are playing, how can we ruin this for Tennessee?" Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's not like the Bills being there isn't a surprise. I wrote when I wrote the story about the Christmas triple header a couple weeks ago, uh, Mike North, the scheduling guru for the NFL, had said that the Bills will probably be in the opener or a Thanksgiving game, but not both. And so, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. It's been out there. It's just, I changed my feeling on it after that Monday night game got released. I thought until Sunday, the bills would be the opener. And then when they announced this week that the bills Titans would be week two Monday, that's when I changed my mind. Um, it makes the most
0: sense. faster than James Bradbury, who we talked about (laughs) yesterday already. I'm just kidding. Um, all right, let's take a break. And when we come back breaches, strength of schedule rankings, Breach does this every single year. It is you are the the uh, guru of scheduling. I love the, scheduling. this uh, the schedule making savant. We need we need some kind of name for this. Give give us your best names for Breach's schedule strength of schedule making in the chat. Do you have a nickname for yourself?
1: I do not give you can't give yourself a nickname. It's like goes against the first rule of nicknames, right?
0: You're, you're literally on the screen. It says breach of Palooza.
1: That's true. Can <laughs> I give myself that name? Maybe I need to change it. Maybe it's time to change that nickname. I think so. Uh,
0: all right. So. Break down the formula for how you do this. Is it just as simple as how do their teams perform
1: last right. year? And it, is, it is that simple. It's just there's, hey, how did – this is their – everybody's strength to schedule based on each team's record in 2021. And now, look, every year you come out with a strength of schedule, and it's not exact science. There's really no way to measure true strength of schedule because things are changing every year, whether it's a draft, whether it's free agency. There are a few instances where teams – Bad teams become good, like the Bengals, or good teams become bad. But that is not a that's not every team, that's usually only one or two teams a year. And so, also, the interesting thing about the 17 game schedule is that the strength of schedule is more relevant than it was before because a first place team actually plays a first place schedule now, a second place team. before the 17 game schedule, that was oh, that you got that really extra game, changed. and if you're in first place, you play a team, right, 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 that's in first place, and so the strength of schedule didn't make as much sense uh, during the 16 game schedule era. Now I think that it, it, for instance, you look at the five most difficult schedules this season going into 2022, and there four of those teams are playing first place schedules, which are the Rams, Bengals, Buccaneers, and Chiefs, and so uh, that makes it's you know you reward the bad the good teams by giving them the worst pick in the draft or not reward them you punish them and that's what keeps nfl's parity going and now the best teams are going to get the hardest schedules going forward which wasn't always the case unless they play in an easy division which you know we've seen with the afc south uh the last few years or the nfc east where if you are lucky enough for Tom Brady's whole career in the AFC East, if you're lucky enough to play an easy division, that changes up the dynamics of the strength of schedule a little bit. But overall, the best teams are going to be playing harder schedules, uh, thanks to the 17 game schedule.
0: Do um have you considered utilizing and I do think it matters a little bit less than it maybe used to, but consider utilizing win totals for like the like the the opponents, for instance, just like you know, like um I don't. I probably should have done this before. Then live But you know what I'm saying. Like you can take the the expected. I wonder if there's a way to like incorporate that into, like incorporate both into it. Because, for instance, the, I guess the Seahawks last year, what are they? Were seven win team or eight win team? Either way, like now they their they're expect their expected win total is six, right? So like right, which is know, only
1: one went away from what they had last year. Right, right. right. I, I'm just, yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm just saying that. Like, well, right. I'm saying the expected win total using that because you're taking an educated guess from Vegas on right. how teams are going to play, based on free agency additions, based on uh, who got added in the draft, and and because of that, it's it's almost because it's an educated guess. It's not. It's it's hard to like. You could easily do that. You could easily set up a win loss total. Uh, strength of schedule. Um, I, I think that plenty of people actually do that, um, but the thing I, about I'm not like saying it's
0: the definite like definite right way to go. I'm just I'm just curious if you had considered utilizing that at all.
1: Well, I think the problem with strength of schedule is that people look at is kind of an end all be like oh that well this team plays the toughest schedule so uh, there's no way they can be good this year. And there's not, like I use it if I'm stuck between two teams. Say I can't decide if I'm going to have the Bengals or Ravens win AFC North I, and the Ravens play a much easier schedule. So, boom, that's it, – like, it's it's a final kind of uh, part of a measurement. It's one of the factors that I take into account when trying to figure out, uh, you know, what team's record, who's going to be good. Um, but, you know, like, if you have Patrick – the Chiefs have the fifth hardest schedule. That doesn't mean the Chiefs aren't going to make the playoffs. Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs could have the hardest schedule. It doesn't matter. They're going to be good no matter what because they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So, like, strength of schedule applies more to kind of mediocre teams – uh, who maybe you don't know if they're going to be good. The Eagles had the easiest schedule in the NFL last year. Nobody thought the Eagles were going to make the playoffs. What did they do? They took that easy schedule and they made the playoffs. So uh, that's just it, – it, it's it's really the numbers between this strength of schedule using win losses from last year and the win totals are are somewhat similar. They're not exact, yeah. um, but – Well, and, I mean, to counter
0: I, – I really wasn't, like, questioning your methodology i was but because the other thing too is like all right you you know you can say you can add up the win totals right for these various teams but for instance the uh the the rams who i was just just tossing to, to together real quick are playing the saints and the saints win total is seven and a half but over minus 140 so not only do you have the fact that's not really seven and a half that's really more like eight But you also, the fact that you are talking about measuring these numbers against lines that have moved because of draft picks, because of betting, and you're saying like, and there's a rush to get these win totals out there now because all these bookmakers, sports books want to be first to have the win totals out. So maybe it's like, there's no reason a win total, win total should be out until after the schedule is released. Like win totals should not be out in April before certainly shouldn't be out before the draft like you're talking about like massive additions or subtractions to to a roster depending on what teams you have and so like the Eagles win total definitely shifted when they added Jordan Davis and AJ Brown in the first round of the draft and yet you know that that win total been out there so I, I mean I'm glad that win totals out early because it makes it sort of a softer market it makes it more attackable but at the same time like realistically you know if the You know, the Eagles start out like you just shouldn't have a win total out there until you know what the exact schedule is, is my point. And so I think to your to to give you you credence to your your point here is that we may have got to the point where win totals are not as accurate as they were in measuring the strength of schedule for a team's upcoming season.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we'll find out going forward. I think, like I said, the 17 game schedule changes the dynamic of what's happening. Um, and, And so that creates what happened in the past isn't necessarily uh, show what's going to happen in the future. So, And there's not enough of – you don't have enough information. We have one year of a 17-game schedule to – so you don't know what that means. You need five years of the 17-game schedule before right. you can sit and say, oh, okay, well, this means this, and and the win-losses from last year, strength of schedule method works fine, or the over-under strength of schedule works fine. So you almost have to ignore your first – your last – whatever since the 16 game schedule is out 1978 so like 50 years of dad is thrown out the window and now you have the 17 game schedule to work with
0: two breaches point though the defending champion los angeles rams have the toughest strength of schedule and when you bring it up on breaches calculated machine reju, you get a 0.567 win percentage for the 2021 opponents I think it is good to compare it to the win total, though, because you look at it, they play the 49ers twice, who have a 10 win or over under of 10 wins. They play the Cardinals twice, who have an over under of nine wins. They play the Dallas, the the, the Dallas, the Cowboys, who have an over under of 10. The Broncos, over under of 10. Bucks, Packers, and Chiefs, all over under of 11. And the Chargers, with an over under of 10. So you have eight games against teams who are projected according to vegas to win around 10 games like their over under is t- double digits or more that checks out as a really difficult schedule
1: right and vegas is saying the teams that are, like their over under basically says the teams were going to be good last year are going to be good this year like the cardinals the buccaneers the packers the chiefs teams that are on the rams schedule that historically and recently have been good are going to continue to be good so i mean that's not but yeah, I mean, the Rams schedule is absolutely loaded. They're the only team that plays 10 playoff teams from last year. And, you know, you think that most of the playoff teams, not all of them, and the Steelers will probably take a step back because they have, uh, don't know who their quarterback is. Uh, but most of the playoff teams from last year seem like they'll be, at least be good this year. You know, maybe they don't get back to the playoffs, but I don't think we're going to see many of them drop to 2-15 and 15 or 3-14. and 14. And so, uh, yeah, the Rams, 10 playoff teams from last year, obviously 49ers and Cardinals. But, you know, you're talking about the Buccaneers, Packers, Chiefs, and Chargers all on the road. So, I mean, the Rams have a brutal schedule.
0: One thing that stood out to me when you look at this, and this is, I think, the top 10 uh, teams, three of the four NFC South teams are in the top 10 for toughest schedules. And it's not like the Saints and Falcons were dominant last year. The Panthers didn't make the list. They're probably not that far behind. Uh, Explain why, Breach.
1: Well, yeah, and you look at the Falcons' schedule, and you well, you look at who these teams are playing... Um, I'm assuming it's like an NFC West or
0: AFC West cross...
1: They play wow. the well, AFC, no- AFC North. Okay. And so, you know, if you're a Panthers fan, you probably don't feel too good about your team's chances against the Ravens or the Bengals or the Browns or even the Steelers. And then, uh, like you mentioned, the NFC West, they also play the NFC West. So you're stuck... Your division, like the NFC South, where you have three bad teams and you're stuck playing probably two of the three best divisions, that's pretty much trouble for everyone in that division that doesn't have Tom Brady.
0: So, if you're the Falcons, Saints, or Panthers, you are playing the Browns, the Bucks twice, the Steelers, who, you know, just a tough out usually, and the Ravens, plus the 49ers, Cardinals, Rams, and Rams, Angles. And oh and the Bengals, Scott, sorry, I wouldn't that was not intentional. Whatever, Rinson. If I if I if I meant to, I would have said, Oh, I forgot about the blank blank blanking Bengals.
1: Yeah, so think about that. If you're the Panthers, Falcons, and Saints, 10 of your 17 games are NFC West, AFC North, and the Buccaneers twice. Uh, what what do you think the best case is for the Saints are the best team out of that three? what's their best case in those 10 games? Like five and five, six and four. Yeah, maybe. That feels, yeah, exactly.
0: Like of, the, of just the NFC. Well, just the NFC West. We're talking about just the NFC West, the AFC, the, the NFC West, the AFC North and the two bucks games for the saints. I feel like, yeah, five and five is a great run there. Like, What about the Panthers? I mean, three and seven would be good. <laughs> and that it also depends on what is Pittsburgh, this year, you know, is it Kenny Pickett, is it Mitchell Trubisky, are they any good? And of course, w- when you play the Browns, will they have Deshaun Watson? I think those two factors uh, could certainly flip how, you know, how we perceive things. That's also the other thing too, like you know, the Browns could be a really good football team this year if Deshaun Watson's not suspended at all or he's suspended in 2023. I mean, who knows? Um they could be a really bad football team if he gets suspended 12 games. So, it's um that one's kind of tough to say, but yeah, I think the bu- that's why the oh, and leaders- also
1: the NFC South also is their one game, uh, extra bonus game. AFC West. AFC West, which was yeah. the other one you are, are, you asked at the beginning. Are they playing in the the NFC West, or the AFC West. The answer is yes.
0: And you know what that means, a Breach? It means that last year, thanks to the Denver Broncos finishing last in the AFC West, the Panthers. <laughs> did the Panthers get him or the the Falcons? Should be the Panthers, right? The what? Yeah. So the the Panthers finished five and twelve, and as a reward, get Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, who finished last in the AFC West last year.
1: Yeah, that's the worst last place place reward you could possibly get.
0: And the Falcons, who finished five seven and ten last year,
1: get the nine and eight Chargers from last season. Like yeah, there's so. not really, and the Saints get the Raiders. There's not really. I mean, the Saints <laughs> probably got the easiest game yeah, out of same. those teams, yeah, for sure. Um, so hilarious. yeah, that,
0: the, so I would think that if you can. And maybe it's too tough at this point to to lay it with the... Man, I don't know. Like, minus 350 might still be too short for the Buccaneers to win the division. It should really be, like, minus 700.
1: I mean, you you look at this...
0: Parlay it if possible, but, like, this is brutal for the Saints, Falcons, and Panthers. Brutal.
1: It would be surprising to see any of them get the seven wins just based on... The only thing is they get to play each other. so like the Saints get four games because they have two against the Panthers, two against the Falcons, and those are four winnable ones. And then you all you have to do is go three and ten the rest of the way to get to seven. But again, yeah, I mean, that's why they have – that's why you see the Buccaneers, Falcons. You have the Saints, all these uh, NFC South teams with the toughest. And for people wondering, the Panthers have tied for the 12th hardest strength of schedule. So they are up just outside the top ten.
0: Uh, and as Eric Ross points out in the chat, the Panthers do get Detroit and the Giants, They're both are improved. So, like the Panthers might
1: be, uh,
0: you know, I'm not going to rant on the Panthers again. i are not going to do that.
1: <laughs> um, we don't want to get thumbs down on this podcast, but I know, right? Because uh, maybe
0: MacRae, maybe MacRae, win the Super Bowl this year. Who knows? The and again, you know, you also see that you got two. So you have, what's up with the Seahawks not being up here as well?
1: for the top. What do we have? Are they the 49ers? just outside the top
0: 10 maybe? Is that what I'm missing?
1: Well, they have the, they play. Are oh, the, they're 11. They're, right, they're the next team off the board. Okay. Right. They have the hardest last place schedule of any of the teams that finish in last place. Wow. That's a tough scene. Yeah. But they, they also have 11 you know,
0: Panthers that tie to like the Panthers have the same strength of schedule as the Bills.
1: But the Seahawks play the Giants and the Jets, which obviously helps lowers their strength of schedule. Those are two teams that the 49ers Rams and Cardinals don't get to face. And so that's really what pushed them down.
0: Same thing with the Panthers playing the Giants and and the the Lions. Like, they, the the other teams don't get to play that. Um, When you're looking in this 11 to 20 range, we've got Seahawks, Steelers, Panthers, Bills, Broncos, Patriots, Jets, Browns, Texans, Vikings. Is there anybody that stands out to you that, you know, I mean, I guess the Bills and the Broncos are probably obvious, but... you know, is there anybody who like you're like, oh, like when you were putting this all together, you're like, oh, man,
1: this team, I'm picking them to make a deep run. Well, I would say the middle basically from 12 to 22, 12 to 21. It's kind of the part I don't really pay attention to only because you want to know who has the hardest because that's going to impact the team. And who we has the easiest? Right, has right. The easiest. But everybody in the middle is just kind of you have a 500 schedule. You're expected to win half those games. You know, like. Yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all pretty
0: clustered between like 5'17 right, right. and 4'88, basically. Okay, right. well, then I'll go back to the rundown and ask the actual questions we were supposed to talk about. <laughs> um, the NFC East teams have it easy on paper with the four easiest schedules in the entire NFL. Is that right? My God.
1: Unbelievable. How, do they, why is he, how, is he, how did this happen? Well, they play each other. So, like, you have, sure. you know, obviously the Cowboys, I think, and we keep talking about maybe the Cowboys end up collapsing this year, but just – Looking at their schedule, it just doesn't seem possible unless every other team in the division steps up their game. Because Cowboys went six and zero in the NFC East last year, and right now it still feels like the Eagles are the only one that can really contend with them. I would be surprised if they don't go four and two, five and one. I would be surprised if they don't finish above five hundred in the division again. And so because of that, uh, you know, they get those obviously the two games against the, the Giants, two games against Washington. And then they match up as far as divisions go against the AFC South, which is what you want. That's the division you want to face because you know you have at least two not so good teams with Jacksonville and Houston. And then, you know, Indianapolis is probably going to be really good, but still it's Matt Ryan. If you can get them early in the season, Matt Ryan's trying to get comfortable learning a new offense and playing for a new team. And then the Titans, who knows what the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, uh, maybe he loses starting job. Maybe he is not. You don't know what Derrick Henry is going to look like. Um, at coming off the injury, he didn't look great in the Bengals game and the playoffs. So maybe with the whole offseason, he looks great, but who knows? Who knows? So they have the AFC South, and that is the big one. And then also, uh, they play the NFC North, which I mean, depending on how you feel about like the Lions and the Bears, you have definitely have some winnable games there.
0: Debo, your thoughts on the Eagles winning the Super Bowl now that you realize they have a bottom three schedule
2: i feel like this is just a a thing every year and it's something as an eagles fan you have to weigh like oh they're playing really well to end the season but is it the schedule or is it the actual team so it's a difficult dilemma but i know they're your super bowl champs so they have to be my super bowl champs so we're both going to double down and take them to win the super bowl huh i'm excited for this
1: well debo i think you remember that last year the eagles uh, had the easiest strength of schedule, and I feel like they only played three teams that finished with a winning record in 2020. And that strength of schedule stood up, where it, they did have the easiest record. They beat all the bad teams they faced, they lost to all the good teams they faced, and that got them to the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll take it, and then it. When you get to the playoffs, obviously a a different story, and they were exposed in some summer. Oh, my
0: God, this team is going to the playoffs this year.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's just, you know, I think they're a better team on paper than they were last year, and they they made the playoffs last year with a super simple schedule. So you would would expect the same thing this year.
0: Are the Eagles favored when they host the Cowboys?
2: I say no. I mean, it depends at what. Well, right. I'm saying,
0: like, let's say it's week one. No, do I say it's week five and the Eagles are? They're both both teams are three and or.
2: No, I like you know, I like thinking about it in the scope of week one. Week one, I don't think they'd be favored. It'd be like Cowboys minus two, one and a half or two. Yeah, I don't think you're getting the full three though.
0: No. Um, no, Cowboys would not be minus three. I don't think. So here's the Eagles. I mean, just ripping through their opponents. Obviously, Washington twice, Dallas twice, uh, the Giants twice, Minnesota. That's a, that's already announced. That's a Monday. that's one of the Monday night, um, week two games, right at Chicago, at Detroit, at Houston, at Indy Packers at home, Jaguars at home, Titans at home at Cardinals, Steelers at home, Saints at home. I mean, I think that's more than likely a playoff team right there.
1: You got to like your schedule if you're uh, the Eagles, and I think they they made it to the playoffs even though they went just three and three in the division last year. If they do beat the Cowboys once, maybe make that four and two, then you stare at the rest of your schedule and you're thinking, my gosh, if we can just go uh, five and six in these other eleven games, that puts us at nine and eight, and boom, we could be a wild card team, maybe ten and seven, maybe eleven and six. You guys think they're going to the Super Bowl? Maybe they win twelve games. I think is the floor here. I think the most notable team um, on the strength of schedule here, and I think we don't even have to get to them yet, but we can. Okay. Um, the Colts. Yeah. Um, I think the Colts, but, you know, the Ravens are there too. And I think the, 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 the Colts, the Ravens. I mean, the Colts have they,
0: the easiest schedule in the easiest division.
1: They have the easiest schedule in the AFC. They're loaded. Oh, you yeah. look at their defense. They added Stefan Gilmore to a defense that already had – uh, Forrest the Lander. No. they added Yannick Ngakwe there too. And so we, we talk so much about the trade for Matt Ryan that you forget about all these defensive moves they made. And that team just feels loaded for them to have the easiest schedule in the AFC. And they won nine games with Carson Wentz. You win nine games with Carson Wentz. I feel like Matt Ryan's going to add at least two more wins when you include the fact that they're playing this easy schedule. And so, I mean, it feels like this is a team that could win 11 or 12 games all
0: right well let me ask you this now the only issue here is that in the afc we have the afc west where we think i mean definitely two teams are getting in right the playoffs yes i mean definitely two teams are getting in from that division it would be shocking yes. if only one team from the afc west got yes
1: it would be shocking let's say
0: two uh like you were going to say three but I let's just stay at two right the afc north i think probably has two teams to get in Okay. Right. So you're at four there. You're AFC East, let's say one. That's five. The Colts are minus 160 to make the playoffs. I kind of like that. The Colts are even money to win the division. I love that. Yeah, but you can just get the, for the extra 60 cents, you get the out where they like, the like both day and the Titans win 11 or 12 plus game, 12 plus games. And they both get in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like that too, but I like I like I like the the Colts to win the division too. But like,
0: I just think that the Titans and I know they keep losing and make making changes. And but as you point out, like they're just a nine and seven or better team every single year. They were the one seed last year, even despite Derrick Henry getting hurt. So my point was more that like I think there's a I think there's a case to be made that. Like minus one hundred and sixty is a great deal for the Colts to make the playoffs with the easiest schedule in the entire conference. Obviously, the easiest schedule in the division. The addition of Matt Ryan, a massive upgrade over Carson Wentz, um, and then you know some some other you know the defensive additions we just talked about. Like I, I tend to think that's a that's a pretty like that should probably be like two ten maybe.
1: Yeah, uh, and the thing is, you look at the Colts schedule, and we know their division games. They play the Titan or the Texans twice. They play Jacksonville twice, which. You would love to say those are automatic wins, but apparently they can't beat Jacksonville. Maybe Matt Ryan will change that. But if they beat the bad teams in their division, that's four wins. They play the Giants. They play Washington. Those feel like games they should win. You get up to six wins. And then all you have to do is uh, go four and seven on the rest of your schedule, and you get to 10 wins. So yeah. that is the crazy part. If you just sweet beat the bad teams, you don't even have to go 500 against the good teams with this kind of schedule. But, but again, it'll all make more sense once we know the times and dates. and For sure.
0: Um, any other takeaways from
1: uh, the schedule? My first? bitterest takeaway is we just talked about the t- team with the easiest schedule in the AFC. The team with the most difficult schedule in the AFC is the Cincinnati Bengals. Ooh. Yikes. Yikes.
0: What uh what's that to your optimism for this upcoming season, Breach?
1: Well, you know, obviously the Bengals swept the Chiefs last year with two crazy games, one the regular season, one in the playoffs. But these are parts of the schedule that you have to worry about if you're a Bengals fan, is that the Bengals are the only team in the division that has to face the Chiefs. So that is rough. Um And then, you know, they're the only division team that has to play the Titans, which, again, they beat them in the playoffs. It was a close game where Ryan Tannehill took three interceptions. It took a disastrous game from Ryan Tannehill for the Bengals to win that. And so you look at those two games that no other team uh, in AFC North has to play. And then the third game, the bonus 17th game, is against the Cowboys. So the three games the Bengals play that no other AFC North team plays, Chiefs, Titans, Cowboys. That's that's, that's a rough tough.
0: slate. And they also have at Buccaneers, at Pats, Panthers. Oh, Panthers with them. That's tough. Um and, and then the Bills coming to town. So like, you know, I mean, you have and I'm not saying that other teams, you know, other teams don't have those games to deal with, but we've seen it, you know, sometimes you're going to get the Bills best, you know, you, like let's say you get the Pats best best effort at home, you know, on the when you're on the road, the Bills best effort at home because you're the defending AFC champs. Like, you know, you're the Chiefs will be out for revenge. There are some there's some major landmines on here for the for the
1: Bengals, for sure. Absolutely. And so that is – and that's – like the Ravens get to play the Giants instead of the Cowboys, and that's a huge difference.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sort of – it's also one of those, those things where if you're the Bengals and last year was this magical run, you know, now you kind of have a target on your back and, you know, you can't slip up at home against the Dolphins or on the road against the Jets. And even good teams lose these games. The Bills lost to the Jaguars on the road last year, right? I mean, the Colts pooped their pants against the Jaguars in week uh, 17. So it's like, you know, even though you're like, oh, the at the Jets is a guaranteed win. It's not a guaranteed win, but you have to win it.
1: Right. And just to put those games in perspective, talking about how the, the Bengals play the Cowboys that no one else in the division plays and the Bengals play the Titans. Well, the Ravens get Jacksonville and the Giants for those two games. And so you feel a lot better about the Ravens beating Jacksonville and the Giants than you do about the Bengals sweeping uh, Tennessee and the Cowboys.
0: Gotcha. I like it. All right. That'll do it for our strength of schedule show. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will be going live around 10 PM on Thursday night to break down the schedule. There's a chance it could be earlier or a chance it could be later, depending on what happens with our other video. Yeah. We'll be back on Wednesday at uh, one PM. Same, same, uh, same pod time. Same time, pod place. No show when Thursday at one PM, as of now. For breach, I'm Brinson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We will talk to you guys later. The chilling new original docu series on Paramount Plus.